good morning. All right. Hey, it's great to be here with you guys this morning. We got about 20, 25 minutes. And so, um, but before we jump in, I need to grab some stuff. So here's what I want you to do uh, with the person next to you. We did this last week. We do it every once in a while uh, with the person next to you. Um, discuss really quick. Um, what is one of your favorite birthday celebration moments? Okay, ready? Got about one minute. Short, quick, powerful, Go. All right. Okay, thumbs up. Was that easy or thumbs up, th thumbs down hard? Hard. Some of you had a hard time. Some of you, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I, I, was, I was thinking through my own life and just different stories. Some of them stand out and some of them, some of them don't. But here's the deal. Like, here's what's great about uh, birthdays um, is that, uh, especially as a kid, you know, uh, as an adult, uh, birthdays are just a reminder that you wake up and your body, you know, hurts. Um, but as you're young, birthdays are great uh, because the entire day is about you. And it's the celebration, you know, that everybody's anticipating you most of all, and it's this, it's this powerful day and celebration, right? The way that God has designed you and made you the person he wants you to be, the person that you're becoming, right? And it's this great, plus you get presents, right? So it's great. Um, so lots of celebration uh, as a kid. And here's what's hard about birthdays, though, uh, is that they happen once a year. You know, it just doesn't feel like they happen enough. Uh, when you're a kid, you're like, I mean, like my daughter's four. She's like, yeah, well, like, when's my birthday? It's July, sweetie, okay? Like, you can't, I mean, you got to wait. Like, we're not going to do it every month. Um, and this is just the reality. Like, we, we love it, but they happen once a year. And so here's the deal. Here's why we do this. This is Celebration Sunday. We at, at church here at Salem, we, we don't want to just celebrate once a year. That's not enough. We want to be, be creating a culture where we um, are, are celebrating on a regular basis what God is doing in our church and through our church. And so how we're going to end our time this morning uh, after we dive into Acts just very briefly, I just want to share some stories with you to celebrate like what God is doing in us and through us, just so we can kind of all hear some of these fun stories um, you know, that are in addition to these baptisms that we're already hearing, which is in and of itself... Uh, and dedication, something to celebrate, right? Like Celebration Sunday is just a great day. It's just fun for everybody. So here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to dive into, into the book of Acts just for very briefly, just into a couple uh, of quick verses. Um, and uh, what we're, we've been in this, this series in Acts called Witnesses. And so if you're new and joining us, these last three or four weeks, we've been tracking through this story where Peter and John are on their way to pray at the temple. And this chaotic, messy situation happens, and a man is healed, but as a result of this man's healing, it lands Peter and John in prison, which is not the place that they thought that they were going to go, right? So they, they went to pray, 
But then after this whole chaos, this whole scenario, and they are released in their boldness uh, as they continue to teach the word of God boldly, despite all of the persecution, they're released. And, you know, they say, shame, shame on you. Don't do that. And they're like, well, it's, if it's up to us, we're going to listen to God, you know, over you. It's this powerful moment. And then they end up with their family and their friends and they pray. And so they, they go to the temple to pray, which doesn't happen. And then the whole story ends with them, with their family and friends after prison praying together. So a whole different type of prayer than what they were expecting. And so there's tons in that, in that story just to celebrate like the faithfulness of God, the boldness that they had, and so that's what they continue to pray. God, give us more boldness, more and more boldness. And so the church is growing massively in this moment despite all of the persecution. And it's interesting, it's kind of ironic, right? The more persecution, the more the church grows because they, they rise to the occasion and God continues to give them boldness as they speak the word clearly um, everywhere they go. And so what happens here this morning in just a few quick verses is that in the midst of this massive movement that God is doing in the world, what Luke is going to do as the author is that he's going to just take to say, hey, let's hit pause and let's just take a quick glimpse at the inner workings of the church. So here's what God is doing all the way out here, but what's happening on the inside of the church, if that makes sense, okay? So we're in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 32. This is what it starts. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, normally, if you're joining us and you're the, for, for the first time here, normally we take longer time and just kind of unpack. But this morning, I just want to pull out three very simple things for the sake of time and just so we can kind of keep our eyes and hearts focused as we think about celebration, okay? And the first thing is this. As you look at that first, that first verse, now the full number, so all of these 10,000 plus people who have come to know Christ, these full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Here's what's fascinating to me about this, is that it's not two hearts, it's not three hearts, it's not four hearts, it's not 10,000 hearts, it's one. And so what is he talking about? He's talking about unity. So if you think about it from this perspective, he's talking about unity, okay? Now, if we were to jump out of Acts just for a moment and, and to reframe, go back to Jesus, because this is a great example of where unity comes from, okay? So Jesus, if you remember, like Jesus is starting his, his vocational ministry and he's moving, and, and so from Jesus' perspective, he's in this game for the long haul, right? He wants to build his kingdom until he comes back again. And the way that he chooses to do that is by investing in a few number of people and to multiply him and his truth, but also his way of life into a group of 12 people that they would then multiply and exponentially to the ends of time until Jesus returns, right? And so here's Jesus. And he goes, okay, who are the 12 people that I'm going to choose? Who are these people who are going to be my disciples? And it's not who you'd expect, it's not the rabbis, it's not the most formal, it's not the most educated of people, right? He gets, he gets together with all these people. In fact, Luke 6 says he's up all night praying. So he spends the entire night in prayer, and he comes the next morning, and he's got this crowd of people who are wondering who Jesus is going to choose. And Jesus is like, all right, here's where I'm going to start, with Peter, James, and John. And they're like, yes, you know, like that kind of a cool thing, right? Who are Peter, James, and John? They're fishermen. They're the middle class, right? They're the hard workers, right? And uh, sun up to sundown fishing whenever, like they're the, they are the hardworking class of their time. 
Um, not the most educated, not the brightest people, and yet this is who Jesus chose. And so if you're a rabbi, you look at those people and you're like, really? You choose them? You chose these fishermen, you know? And to the fishermen, it's super powerful, right? But now think about it from this perspective. Who does Jesus choose next? He chooses a guy named Matthew. Who's Matthew? Matthew is a tax collector. He's in cahoots with Rome, and because he's in cahoots with Rome, that means that he gets to skim off the top all of the money, all of his earnings come from skimming off the top for the taxes that go to Rome. So there's a wealthy type of a person who makes money off of who? The hardworking class. Do you think that, that Peter, James, and John were thrilled about the idea of Matthew joining the team? You know, like Peter, James, John, like, hey, Jesus, why don't, why don't we choose 12 uh, fishermen? Because that's, what, that's a commonality. That'll make it so much easier. And Jesus is like, it's a great idea, but no. <laughs> you know, I'm going to choose Matthew. Okay, okay, okay. Well, who are you going to choose next? He chooses a guy named Simon, Simon the Zealot. That's his title. Simon is not in cahoots with Rome. In fact, he's the very opposite. He wants to overthrow Rome with violence. So he's got this Jesus guy on the side. He's like, yep, Jesus, but here's my motive over here. I want to overthrow Rome. Maybe Jesus will help me do that. Do you think that Simon was good friends with Matthew? <laughs> no, right? This, I mean, this is, this is crazy to think when you start to look at who Jesus chose, you're like, what were you thinking? Right? Because Jesus chose people, and let's just be very clear, he chose people who, which by the way, we don't know anything else really about some of the other disciples, so they could be just as weird and strange, you know? Um, and so Jesus, right, he, choose, he chooses these people, um, and, and what I think is so unique um, um, about this is, is we reflect on us, we go, okay, that's not, I, he didn't choose who I th expected him to choose. And these are people who, in their natural context, um, let's just be clear, in their natural context would not have been friends. Because they don't run in the same circles. They're not of the same socioeconomic statuses, right? They wear different clothes, they eat different food, I don't know, like whatever, all these differences, right? So they would not have been friends. At the very best, they would not have gotten along. And at their worst, they would have hated each other. And it's interesting to think that Jesus chose people who in their natural context would hate each other, and yet, after time with Jesus, don't. In fact, if you go back a couple chapters, just back into Acts a little bit, as the, as the Sadducees are looking at Peter and John, what's the one thing they perceive about Peter and John? Is that they were with Jesus. Like, why are you not worse than we thought that you would be? How are you so good? Because you were with Jesus. Jesus was the focal point. When Jesus is the center and not our differences, when differences are at the center, it creates disunity. When Jesus is at the center, it creates unity. And it's so incredibly powerful to think about the fact that Jesus chose that, not, that number of people. And that's just with 12. In our context here in Acts, how many people are there? 10,000 people. How is it that 10,000 people who eat different things, drink different things, talk differently, wear different things, go, hey, we're united because of the gospel, because of the essentials and the core, right? And that's so incredibly important. And so, guys, here's something I've been wrestling with this week. Unity is not something that you and I can create. No matter how hard we work, unity is not something that mankind can create. Why? Because in our sinful state, when everything is about being selfish, everything is about me, that means that everybody is going to be working to create their version of unity, which is key, their version. How many versions of unity do you have? 10,000. That's not going to work. We can't create unity, which is why God created unity.
in Jesus Christ. And that's the celebration, right? And so here's the deal. As I think about the church in today's world, guys, the church's role is not to create unity. The church's role is to maintain unity. That's our role, is to keep Jesus and the essentials front and center of who we are and everything that we do. The person, the works, and the mission of Jesus above all is what we want to be about. And that's where unity comes from. And when that type of unity happens, it spurs something deeper because we understand when we are united, 10,000 plus people are united purely in the love of Jesus Christ, right? What that does is it shows this deep, foundational, intrinsic, compelling truth that, that overflows out of us and builds something in the world. And it starts with this idea of generosity. So out of unity comes generosity. Look at this in this next part. It says, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, right? There's this, there's this piece on the inside, you know, that this, this personal selfless motive that says this, what I have is also yours. And so when I think about this, I think of generosity. If you take a look at this, this slide, um, this definition of generosity, um, this, I'm super underwhelmed by this because I hate it when they use the word in the sentence, like that helps. The quality or fact of being generous. Thank you. Okay, so, you know, like a generous act comes out of abundance. What, you know, Christianity, as we think about the idea of generosity, really is this. It's not just out of abundance. Generosity does not just stem from abundance. It stems from little or much. Whatever I have, whether it's little or much, it's this posture. This is not my own. And that's what it says, right? It says that they, the things that belonged to him was not his own. That was a personal choice that they made. And yet, something changes in this passage later on, because it says that those who had um, extra land or, or, or owned other things, what did they do? They go and they sell it, and then they bring the money back to the apostles and lay it at their feet and to say, wherever this needs to go to whomever it needs it's theirs. And so something shifts between generosity to what we would call extravagance. Look at this. Extravagant. This is far better. This is a great definition. Exceeding the limits of reason or necessity, lacking in moderation, balance, and restraint. Uh, these these in, in the wrong circumstances would, might be bad things, right? Um, extremely or excessively elaborate. And yet, when we look at this, what we're reminded of is the love of Jesus, because extravagant love is this, it goes, it's above and beyond, it's over the top, it's lavish, it's so incredibly, it's, it's just an overflow that goes to, to the greatest lengths. And when we look at the love of Jesus, we are reminded of the cross, right? And I love that Romans where it says, you know, like, um, while you are still sinners, what? Christ died for you, right? In the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of everything that you did actively to rebel against Jesus and to rebel against the creator of the universe, God's like, I still love you. And I will go to great lengths to provide unity for you. And that's extravagant, isn't it? And so for us as a people, like the more we understand the depth of God's love, the more that it stirs in us this generous extravagance. Right? And that is a powerful narrative in the midst of the world. Right? Who wants to be a part of a church like that? Like, this is the church at its best. Like, this is incredible. 10,000 people who say, I, I'm not worried about what I have. I'm worried about what you need. It's incredible. Right? Um, Calvin, who's a theologian from a long time ago, uh, said this about this passage. He said that uh, we have to have hearts that are harder than iron to read this passage and not be moved. Right? It's stirring when you think about the type of community that this is building. 
This is the church. And yet, it continues with one final thing, and here's what it says. It says in verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Right? Testimony, guys, is, is exactly what we just saw in our videos. Because that word testimony comes from the word in Greek, martus, which is a witness. So when you share your testimony, what you're doing is you're saying, I am a witness to the transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm doing, and I want the whole world to know it. I want them to know my story. I want them to know who I was before Jesus, and then when Jesus entered in, and, and here's how that happened, and here's who I am now. That's bearing witness, and that's what we celebrate today like with, with these baptisms. And we, even with child dedications, as we think about what we're surrendering as we're moving as a church towards creating and building this culture, this kingdom culture that says it's about Jesus and Jesus alone about his life, his mission, and his works for the world. Um, in fact, we want to be a church. You know, as we think about giving witness or give, bang, bearing our testimony or whatnot, uh, we want to be an entire church that speaks well of Jesus. And I get that, that for many of us, as we think, we hear the word evangelism, and that kind of terrifies us. We're like, hey, you want me to what? Oh, no, I'm out, you know? And I get that. And that was me for many years. In fact, I would say I'm a very I'm not, I'm not a gifted, I'm a semi-poor semi evangelist, but I believe in evangelism culture. And I believe that we want to be a church that, as an entire church that speaks well of Jesus. And so this next Saturday, I want to invite you guys, this is a small plug to our evangelism as relationships training. Uh, anybody's welcome, all ages, um, all peoples, uh, costs 20 bucks. And really what we're going to do is we're going to teach you uh, the power of your story and how you can engage in people through relationships. And it's really fun. It's a great time and you'll build great community out of it. And so as I think about this, so I think about this passage, it ends with this idea, it says, and there is great grace upon them all. Guys, the idea of a great grace being over us is enough to celebrate as it is. That's a daily, it's a weekly, it's a monthly, it's a yearly thing to celebrate that we were sinners and Christ died for us. That's beautiful. That's an incredible transformation. But on top of all of that, I want to share just a couple of stories that are going on in our church right now to allow you to see other ways in which God is working, okay? First and foremost, we started with some of the youth here. Our youth group is growing like bonkers. It's awesome. The next generation is finding hope in Jesus. Praise God. That is awesome in today's world. We've got a gal who is a senior who has spent the last nine months of her life on mission at her school where she intentionally meets with her peers for breakfast. If kids are even up that early. Are you kids up that early? For breakfast. Then she goes to lunch and she meets with her peers and then she stays after school with her peers, right? And she's sharing the love of Jesus. And then she tells all of her friends at youth group and it's stirring conversation amongst her peers about how awesome this life is. How cool is that? Uh, we can learn from that, can't we, adults? That's incredible. It's something to celebrate. Um, I think about uh, Open Doors. Open Doors is a, is a, uh, you know, a, a resource for those who, who don't have homes. And so the other day we found out that, that they uh, were out of food in their food pantry. So we tasked the youth group. Youth group says, we're on it. Within two weeks, they restocked it and kept the whole thing going. How cool is that? That's youth and families, right? <laughs> you guys are going to get tired of clapping if you, just, if you do it after every one. But I'm okay with that, okay? So... Um, life groups. 
We've had 60-some people in the last year alone dive into life groups to say, I'm going to dive into life and togetherness with other people to open up God's Word, to encourage, to pray, and to struggle well with life. That's crazy awesome. We praise God that God is doing that. Our divorce care is a group um, that meets, uh, meets here at church uh, and it's for those inside of our church who have been struggling through the pains and the, and the grief of going through divorce. And it's a powerful class. Here's the deal, right? There's so many people in the world that are struggling with this. It's now become an outreach because people are finding out about it and saying, I need help. Can I come? Good church is going to say, sure. Bad church will say, no. <laughs> He said, yeah, come on in. Come join us. It's an outreach to the community. We've got a group of str- a strong group of 11 people right now who are interested in helping serve a ref- refugee family in the Fargo-Moorhead Fargo area. So they've, a family has come over, and we've got families who say, we're going to come alongside of you and help you as you adapt and adjust to new life here. How crazy is that? That's awesome. Um, we've got a group uh, you guys have maybe heard of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Doug, who goes here, runs that in this area. And we've started a new program for them at our kind of our focus school right across the road over here. And uh, they started this new group, and they're seeing 15 kids, and it continues to grow. Uh, weekly are showing up and hearing the gospel for the first time. How great is that? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe every two or three, you guys clap, okay? So... As we continue to think about that, as a staff, if you don't know, our staff goes and, and every, um, you know, like late start at the school and we serve breakfast. Here's a picture uh, of us and that line just goes down the hallway. And as people come through, teachers are just sharing how significant it is that a church would come and just invest in them and love on them, right? And it's just pancakes and, and little things and they just go, man, this is so great. It's so good. Um, out of your generosity, we also supplied uh, school supplies. We did an Amazon list. Everything was bought within a matter of like two weeks and we went and delivered all of those to, to the school, to the teachers, right? That's incredible. This is great. We did a, a clothing drive for the same school um, where there's jackets and boots and, and whatnot that's supplied by our church alone. That's generosity. So kids don't go cold in the winter. That's to your generosity. We have reading buddies. I'm going fast here. Reading buddies uh, where people come alongside and just read books with kids at the school. Uh, in fact, and we have lunch buddies as well. Uh, Jordan, uh, our children's pastor here, he started going and doing that. He's been a lunch buddy and he meets with three boys like every week or something like that. And in the middle of lunch the other day, this is what one of the kids said. This is the best day of my life. Are you kidding? That's incredible. Like, that, that, like just that somebody would show up and eat lunch with his kid. He's like, this is the best day of my life. Not your birthday? No, today. Right now, that's crazy awesome. And then think about community gardens. This is a group of guys that were starting this, starting the posts in, and the next one shows it with all of the fence posts in. Guys, this is, fall, this, is, this is coming spring of 2023 on our own property. It's going to be a blessing once everything is in. This is going to be a blessing to our local community where we are going to have people from our church working alongside people from our community who don't know Jesus while growing vegetables and talking about Jesus together. Like, how great is that? 
Like, we're talking about things that are worth celebrating. These are, these are great things, and this is just a small, tiny tidbit of everything that's happening and what God is doing in the midst of Salem and through Salem. And, and let me just tell you this, guys, is that the book of Acts shows all of this persecution that's coming against the church, and so the church is never without opposition, and the same is true right now. I can't tell you how many stories in these last two weeks where I've been in people's homes praying because spiritual warfare is real, because Satan hates that the tides are turning, but God loves it, and it's worth celebrating. Even though it's painful, it's hard, and Satan and and his works are, are at work that's limited in comparison to who God is and the power of the gospel, right? And so we go, let's celebrate that Satan thinks that what we're doing is a threat. We celebrate that, right? And in the midst of this, I think of Paul who just, you know, in, in his letters, he says, you know, everything that you're doing, just keep doing it more and more and more, right? That's what we want to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we wrap up our time this morning, I'm reminded how this passage, even those, those verses ends, and it says after the unity and after the generosity and after the testimony, this bearing witness, all of that, it, it sums this thing up to say in great grace, this mega grace was on them all. And Lord, that's who we want to be, is that you understanding the, the lavish, extravagant nature of your grace, of your forgiveness, and of your love, so much so that it stirs us to deeper unity. In a world where differences make all of the difference, we want to be a church who says Jesus' person, his works, and his mission above all. And that it would fuel inside of us a generosity to say that what's mine is yours. And to say that in the midst of understanding Jesus' love and its its extravagant nature, that I would even go to the greatest lengths to sell whatever I need to to help you and to help a world in need. And may each of us, as we move forward from this place, be reminded that we are bringers of the good news, that we are testimony people, that we are bearing witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we love you and we give you everything. And as we finish this morning, we leave nothing on the table. It's all for you. In your name we pray, amen.